This time on Anesthesia, Amy Yordawandran reads a letter to herself. In our interview with Amy, we discuss how our perspectives of ourselves change with how others view us. Dear future me, what does your world look like currently? Are you surrounded by snow or are you somewhere fairly warm? Did you accomplish the many goals you set for yourself? Most importantly, are you okay? I have so many questions to ask you. I'm currently a third year medical student. I'm sure you must remember a bit of what it was like. I have good days and bad days like anyone would. But man, the bad days hit differently. Being a medical student means daily confrontation with imposter syndrome, the constant war against the negative thoughts of, I will never be enough. I'm happy to be able to help patients as a third year, but sometimes I find myself asking, am I really doing anything to help with their care? Honestly, I feel like I'm running hard towards this goal that's just in the distance only to look down and realize I've been running on a treadmill all these years going nowhere fast. I need some motivation from you, future self, a sign or something to help me pull through these bad days, days where you feel useless despite trying your best, days where sometimes people are mean to you and you try to be empathetic and understand that they too are tired just like you. But at the end of the day, you just have to take the L for the team, go home, shake it off and start again. It's getting hard coming home and realizing that you're always going to be the punchline of the joke. Remember that one time you made a really small mistake and got hounded for it and everyone else just watched and laughed? Or that one time you took the time to know the patient and what their story was but got berated in front of the team about how you forgot one detail? I felt so humiliated because I really did try my best. I feel like all I am is a joke. When things like this continue to happen to me as well as my peers, I eventually start believing that this is now the reality I must survive in. So in order to do so, I wake up every morning and look at myself in the mirror and think, you deserve it. You deserve everything that's coming to you today because you're just a joke. Future me, will I ever be worth something? I live in a constant state of wanting to profess to the world that I am exhausted mentally and physically, but I know fully well that these comments would be met with remarks like, you're not even a resident yet, or my favorite, you're just a medical student. You are a medical student. To think, five years ago, I would have died of happiness to hear that phrase, I'm sure you must remember how excited you were to apply to medical school and getting one step closer to your dreams. But why does it hit me so differently now? I still have happy moments that I'm grateful for. 
My rotation group mates are the best people I could ever ask for, and watching us starting out as a group of strangers turning into a big family gives me no greater joy. Something just as measurable to that is getting to know my patients. I still remember having a terrible day of studying, disappointing people around me, overall physical and mental fatigue. But all of that slowly fades away when I walk into the room at 6 a.m. and I hear my patient, Mr. G, say, Oh, hey, Amy, are you going to listen to my heart and lungs again and poke my legs to check for swelling? This morning routine became something so precious to me. I don't even think that Mr. G realizes how happy it made me that he knew my name. I get up earlier than usual so I can spend more time talking to him. To him, I am someone. I am not just a medical student. I hope you never forget about your time treating Mr. G and all the small talks you had with him. Future me, I'm at a crucial point right now in my journey to medicine where I try to convince myself that the pros outweigh the cons. But I will be honest and say that the negatives, no matter how small, do add up. Right now, altogether, they feel heavier than anything I've ever carried in my life. I'd like to think that moments with patients like Mr. G will help balance it. But I can't help but wonder, will I grow jaded? Will I lose myself to the nature of the beast that is the medical education system? Future me, I know you made it out of the woods somehow, or else I wouldn't write this letter to you. How did you do it? One last question. Will I be proud of the person I've become? Well, Amy, thank you for your story. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Amy, what brought you into medicine? Oh, gosh. What a throwback to, like, interview season when I was a pre-med. Okay. Um, a lot of it was basically, like, my family's relationship with healthcare, um, kind of watching my parents go through the emotions of everything. So to kind of bring it into perspective, like, my family is the type of family that you'll see in clinic um, where you'll be like, I can't believe it. They let it get this bad. Or, like, I can't believe it. Like, how could they not have known that, like, drinking a lot of soda is unhealthy? Or how could they have not known that eating this much carb is bad? So that's basically, like, what kind of drew me to it. It was just that my parents simply didn't know. And it was just, there's this huge gap in, like, cultural and, like, language barriers. And I kind of sat down and asked myself, like, you know, I don't want any other families to kind of have to go through something similar where it's like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Um, I wanted to be at the front lines, like addressing these gaps in healthcare. Cause you know, at the end of the day, like the general public, like no one goes out and says like, I want to live an unhealthy life, right? Like we can all agree on that. Maybe there are a few people out there who are like that, but um, I think I wanted to change the narrative of like shifting the blame taking the blame, just purely placing it on the patient and kind of moving it more to like, how can we do better as a healthcare system? And yeah, that's what kind of brought me into it. Yeah, the role of being a teacher is like such an important part of being a doctor. Yeah, and I mean, this is like nothing on, I guess, um, 
and like what the healthcare system is like now is just I kind of saw my parents go through all of it and like how they were treated and I think it's easy to get frustrated by your patients choices but at the end of the day like my family like came out of poverty you know my my dad um grew up like sharing one bowl of rice with like four other three other siblings so health to my parents were like literally the last thing on their mind they were just trying to make ends meet for my brother and I you know and um being an immigrant as well like there's a whole twist to it because you you kind of leave the country and you come in and then you start from ground zero basically and like the work that my parents do and like I think most people who are in the immigrant community do it's like community do is that it's so tiring it's physically and mentally taxing there's literally no time for you to take care of your health and instead of like throwing my hands at me like oh well it is what it is I want to be at the front line addressing like how can we do better it can't simply be it is what it is and it seems like so often, at least um, in my experience with my own family and that their kind of story, but you worry so much about your family's health that your health kind of comes last. And Yeah, so like, exactly. My dad um, didn't have a college degree, same thing with my mom. Um, and basically what happened was he would just do these labor-intensive jobs back in um, Thailand and he would come home so exhausted, and the only thing that he would want is, like, a nice cup of soda or something. So he just c- consumed an excessive amount of soda, like, any caffeine to, like, get him through the day. Um, and, you know, that caught up with him, and he was diagnosed with diabetes at a very young age. Mm-hmm. But no one told him. Mm-hmm. And it's not his fault. It's not the health care's fault. It's just we know that we can do better, or at least I believe that we can do better. There is definitely a gap that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. When we asked you to create something for the podcast, mm. um, we tend to ask people for stories, and you created more of an essay, poem-like structure. What kind of caused you to to think of writing this letter to yourself? Uh, okay, so I kind of sat down, and I was like, there has to be a better way to tell the story of my life currently as an M3, you know, there's so much going on and I thought, you know, like what a what better way is it to just write this letter to yourself, which is something that I've kind of done all my life. Um, when I was an undergrad and I wanted so badly to get into med school, I wrote a letter to my medical school self, like assuming, oh my gosh, wow. how like obnoxious mm-hmm. of me to assume that I would get in. But um, <laughs> I was really ha- hopeful. Have you read that letter? You know what? I actually lost it. But, oh, man. but I do remember a lot of what was in it, though, because when I wanted to get into med school, like I, I just knew that it, med- medicine was for me. You know, like everything that I've done, no matter how obscure, like my extracurriculars were, they all led back to one thing, and that's like giving back to my commu- community using science and um, my knowledge of the human body. So I knew that was for me, and yeah, like sorry, circling back, um, writing the letter was my best way of storytelling because it's my way of communicating with my future self. Hey, this is what's happening right now. Like, I really want you to know this. And oftentimes I find it really hard to open to up to other people about what's really going on. And I feel like I can be 
the most sincere and honest about how I feel if I'm talking to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how it came to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that the, like I said, the piece is uh, a unique approach that we had kind of not really necessarily thought about before, but it's, it's good because your audience is yourself, you know, you clearly convey those emotions of kind of despair and anguish. And, mm-hmm. um, I think yeah, that, that it, it's almost like you, you don't tell those things to someone, you know, even know well, but you, you'll say those things to yourself all the time. So, yeah. And it's kind of crazy because I never really knew that, I was just so upset about this. Like I knew that I was unhappy, but I didn't realize how much it had affected me. Mm. Like writing the lines down, like, oh, I wake up every morning telling myself that you deserve this. I didn't verbally say it out loud, but like I was most definitely actively thinking that because it was the only, my only way of making sense of what was going on around me. Like it had to be me. It had to be my fault. I'm literally the only common denominator in all of this. Like there has to be a reason why they're yelling at me, mm-hmm. you know? As you were writing that letter, did you ever think, man, this kind of sounds silly, like as I'm saying it? Yeah, no, most definitely. I, when I saw, when I kind of re- like go back and read it to myself and kind of go over what I wrote down, I was in shock and kind of appalled at all the negativity that was in that letter. Cause, you know, going through, all of med school, I kind of just push it down, you know? Mm. You pull an Elsa and you just conceal, don't feel, just pack it up. <laughs> That's the only way to move on. Um, I'm being for real, right? Like, mm-hmm. in all honesty, we always feel like we have no time to really feel the pains and go through the motions of everything. So when I finally sat down and reread my letter, I was just so shocked at how miserable I was feeling. I thought it was bad, but I didn't know it was this bad was kind of the feeling that I got. Mm. So you kind of connected with those words when you put them out there. Yeah. I mean, oh gosh, I I don't even remember when was the last time I got laughed at until like it happened to me in med school. You know, Mm. you Mm -hmm. feel like you're so far removed from what high school was or what elementary school or middle school, middle school was yeah. and then all of a sudden it's just this wild u-turn to you <laughs> and you're just like oh my god like this literally feels like i'm back in high school i'm that girl who is trying so hard to fit in and ironically enough when you're on your lunch break um in the hospital you have no idea where to sit which is so hauntingly familiar <laughs> <laughs> right mm-hmm. you do that awkward thing with like your lunch train you look around like okay can I sit with this resident and I don't think they like me and you're like am I gonna find my friends and you feel so alone and you sit down by yourself but no I I think that's a really interesting thought like if you think about it like yeah middle school and then the beginning of high school those years just they just suck you know it's awkward um you're awkward you don't even know who you are um you're trying to figure out where to sit for lunch kind of things and then you know, you, you get to more towards the end of high school and then you're like, oh, you're big man on campus. You got your own car, you know, you're, and then you go to college and then, yeah, you're starting college as a freshman, but no one really looks down on you too much as a freshman and you're a pre-med student, you know, and you can have that lofty attitude, like yeah. I'm a future doctor or whatever. You go in flexing that bio major. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're yep, like, mm-hmm. okay, okay. And then you get to med school 
And then you're just with those first years, like first year, second year med students. And then once again, no one's really looking down on you. You're just like, you know, getting the hang of everything. And you're like, oh, I'm a med student. And you kind of brag to Mm -hmm. your other friends. And then you get in the hospital. And then suddenly you realize how small and low on the food chain you kind of are. And then you get back to where's the bathroom? Where do I sit for lunch? Who do I talk to? How do I talk to people? And it's like, it brings, like, you're totally right. It brings back those feelings of like, wow. Like, and I can understand, like, when you're saying, like, I'm a joke. I often didn't think that much of, I would, I wouldn't hardly think of that of myself in college, like high school, like towards the end of high school. But it's like middle school is that feeling of like such a big insecurity because it's all just so new, just a new dynamic with everything. It's wild. I mean, okay, to the listeners out there, um, maybe like you'll find this situation familiar. If not, maybe it's just me. But you know how you think you're about to say something funny and you're just like, should I say it or should I not say it? (laughs) (laughs) Or you you say it and no one on the team laughs and even regards that you said anything. Yes. And that is essentially the TLDR of med school. (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy though because i feel like i'm walking on eggshells now you know it's a very similar feeling to high school like i keep on going back to that because i feel like that's the best way to describe what being a third year medical student is like you know you just want to fit in and you don't know how to and you just want to do the right thing but apparently it's wrong at first i thought like oh my gosh like when i read this am i gonna be completely unrelatable to people? Is it just me? Because it really feels like I'm the only one who's going through it. No one really talks about this, you know? No one comes up to me and says, hey, like, this happened to me. Because there's this assumption that if we open up about our struggles, then we're just wimps who can't handle it. Well, and that's, uh, like, also part of the terrible cyclic nature of this is like when you start to feel this way you also feel completely alone in it like you're the only mm-hmm. one experiencing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. so you don't share you've kind of spoken to this already but when those negative thoughts or those negative feelings kind of arise in you and you wake up and you find yourself saying that stuff in the mirror how do you react how do you deal with that um I, I'm kind of out of the woods I don't I think when I was going through all these negative thoughts and not believing in myself, I think how eventually I got through it was this one conversation that I had with my mom way back in M1 year. I kind of asked her, mom, like if I'm not, if I'm not smart, then what am I? Then who am I? If I can't excel in medical school and get good grades and memorize all these facts, then who am I? And my mom simply said, you're my daughter. You are so kind. You're so sincere and you have all these qualities. And like, and I always go back to that conversation because, you know, I, when I'm in med school, I feel like my only metric is, or I guess two metrics is, are my grades and how residents and attendings view mm-hmm. me, you know? Mm-hmm. And essentially that bubbles down to like how smart you are and how personable you are. And so when I have these negative thoughts, I just think back, you know, at the end of the day, like my parents will still love me. I still have my family. 
um, I just have to push through these dark thoughts. But I mean, I'll be honest, like, it's really hard. It's, I think it's naive to say that this was like, you can just get by with family support, you know? I also talked to a lot of my friends. Cooper, you were one of them. You received many of my rants <laughs> through this time. And sitting back and reflecting and, you know, practicing daily gratitude, I'm, despite being the joke of a lot of things during rounds and whatnot, I always think back to, like, how much I wanted this and how much it would mean to me to like walk across that stage one day and get, you know, my degree and potentially change lives of people, like people who have families like mine, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my mom always says like, I have a lot of rants with her. Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> I remember this other conversation I had with her and I'm like, I, Oh, I don't think I can do it. I'd be so bad. And she said, you have to do it. You can do it. Just think of what you're doing it for. So I always think back to my mission. I think family is like very important to me. I mean, it sounds like you were just on a team that didn't really inspire a culture of, you know, encouragement and often put you down. And granted, not every team you work on is going to be like that. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine every medical student that listens to this podcast or even resident and doctor who listens to this podcast remember that one team they were on that they just didn't hit it off with and they felt useless on. I mean, it sounds like you were already giving great advice about sticking close to family and remembering those original goals. What other advice would you have for medical students right now who are find themselves on that team where they just feel like they're just not? They're not jiving. They're not, they don't feel like they have a purpose on the team or making an impact. Um, I would say, first of all, if anyone's being mean to you, it's not okay. And it's a wild, wild statement. It seems so simple, but you just need to keep on telling yourself that because, you know, med students are very skilled at convincing themselves that they're the ones in the wrong right? Mm. So that would be my first advice is to realize that, you know, being laughed at, being ridiculed, being berated in front of other people, that's completely unprofessional. It's uncalled for. Um, It's not what education should be. And it's unfortunately what some people perceive it to be. So don't for one second blame it on yourself. In terms of how to get over it, I highly recommend talking to your peers about it because chances are they've gone through something similar. So you're not alone, even though it will feel like it a lot of the times. You're not alone. Um, third advice would be to go talk to someone who you respect and trust, like a faculty that you can talk to and kind of say, this is the problem that's going on. I don't know how to fix it. Will you please help me? Because you really need to understand that you have allies in this medical education. It's not just this one person who's out to get you and that's it. You have people who are really rooting for you and it's tough because you're kind of beaten to the ground, but you need to find enough power to stand up and just try to reach out for that one ally. And they're there. They honestly are. There's so, I can just think of so many good residents and so many good attendings that I've worked with who are advocates for medical student. You just have to find one of them and just, you know, hold on and tell them what your problems are and hopefully they'll support you through it. And then lastly, I think if your school has it, 
going to an anxiety resource center, it's great because there are a lot of trained counselors and therapists who kind of help you coach you through these things. I mean, I, I also saw one during these this time and a lot of it is just challenging your own thoughts that it has to be me, it has to be me because it's really hard to have good perception and clarity through all of this when you're in the middle of a perfect storm, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. That's really so that's good. my four advice. Something from your story um, that I thought was interesting was one of your patients also played a form of support for you. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about what that was like and other experiences you've had like that? Um, honestly, during during that time where I was just having like all these negativity and kind of that toxic environment. Um, aside from hanging out with my groupmates, one of the happiest moments that I had was just the morning where I, I pre-rounded and I got to talk to my patients one-on-one because having them remembering your name means a lot to me. And it sounds so silly. It sounds like it's so simple and so little, but it's really not because, you know, I've been introduced as this is medical student and there's that whole awkward thing where they try to find your name tag and like your name tags unfortunately flipped around. So you're just like, oh, I'm med student. That's it. That's just me. I don't have a name. I don't have an identity. That's who I am. Um, and, you know, I also had these small talks with him. So it, it shows one that he remembers who I am and two, he appreciates me as like a person as a whole and not just the role that I'm in. Um, we had talks about, you know, what kind of socks I'm going to wear the next day. And he'd comment on like how fun they are, like that my badge reel is really cool and stuff like that. And we honestly have genuine, genuine conversations about what's going on in the world. And all, of course, I'm also doing the fiscal exam and doing the whole like soap situation. So I am doing my work, guys. Don't <laughs> worry. It's not just a talk show at 6 a.m. Um, but after doing all that, like just having a genuine conversation, this genuine connection just meant so much to me because it felt like someone in the hospital appreciates me. Yeah, saw your worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I sincerely meant it in my letter when I said that I'm someone to that person. You know, and it, it happened multiple times too. I had a lot of patients who would cheer when I come into the room, and it's literally one of the darkest times in their lives, and they still have enough kindness to root for me. And it just kind of restores my faith in what human kindness can do and like the level of compassion people could have. Mm-hmm. I think it's also refreshing, to, like when you encounter patients who have just no clue to this entire hierarchy that we live within. So no one's just a medical mm-hmm. student. No one's just a nurse. No one's just a, you know, doctor. No one's just a surgeon. Like they're, they're just people. Yeah. I, um, just going off that, I remember when I was working in the NICU, I was doing rounds, you know, uh, pre-rounding. And then I checked on this one baby and, uh, I, uh, the nurse saw me and she goes, Oh, are you the resident seeing this one? And I was like, no, I'm just the medical student. And then she goes, she's like, boy, you are not just the medical student. You are the medical student. And she like, she gave this whole thing, you know, it was just like, and she just told me off for like a minute about uh, just like taking pride in like what I do. 
and and not putting that just or that qualifier as like yeah sorry to disappoint you I can't write any orders I know only about like a third of what the residents know um you know I'll try not to drop this baby you know (laughs) 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 I haven't dropped any yet you know (laughs) and it's like uh, I don't and when she said that I didn't realize that even in just the words we say like what you were saying Amy about just that uh, internal dialogue of like the words you speak over yourself um even just little words like just it, it had such a big impact on how I saw myself and then when I started saying oh I'm the medical student um yeah I didn't have to put a qualifier on what I was doing and that was like a really yeah liberating thing to hear from the nurse um because you know nurses have to deal with us and us not knowing what to do all the time and she we give them plenty of opportunities to be frustrated and um yeah but in that moment she saw me as just like you're saying cooper just another person and that meant the world amy where do you think medicine should go where medicine should go yeah like especially like medical education like what changes would you personally make now that you've kind of had a good taste of third year rotations i think the biggest thing that we need to address in medical education and particularly for third year when we're on the wards is um kind of this reminder that we are literally doing this for the first time Mm. i know it doesn't carry the same sentiment but i always always describe it to or um compare it to teaching a three-year-old how to ride a bike you know, you're not going to yell at them when they try and they fall, right? Like, you're not going to be like, hey, um, hey, little Johnny. Like, I, I know you gave it your all, but that kind of sucked. <laughs> you know, you're not you're not going to do that. And I I think that's how education was formed. You know, you were like, you encourage until they, you encourage the student to try and try again, do better. There is definitely a way in coaching the students to elevate themselves without making them feel absolutely worthless. Because at the end of the day, it's literally my first day on this rotation. It is my first day Mm -hmm. learning the craft that you've been practicing and honing all your life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to mess up. That's going to happen. But I want you to know that I'm not trying to be a bad student. I'm really, I'm trying my best. You know, I think there needs to be this reminder um, because I think it's ridiculous to expect that we do everything perfectly to the T within just two weeks into a rotation. And not everyone has this expectation, but there's a good amount of people who do have it. And I think it's because that's probably how they were treated back then too, which is not okay. Um, I also think there are things that we can do as medical students from our end. I know I can do this better too, and it's just recognizing that there is this huge load of stress that we will never understand as a medical student that residents carry. And I think we need to be more aware of that as well. Um, It's so easy to say, oh, that person was so mean to me, but I think we can do a better job at reflecting, oh my goodness, Um, they have an infinite amount of patients and their patients were so rude to them and the attending had just yelled at them and stuff like that, you know. Everyone just needs to realize that we're all tired, but we're all trying our best. Well, and it's kind of like that idea. You, One of the issues that we kind of, of what brought us to feeling that way is because 
um, these residents, these attendings didn't have that understanding of where we were at and mm-hmm. how we may feel about something. And so it's kind of like modeling that understanding back towards them. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of wild, but like you, you think about it a little bit and in the times where you get yelled at, you kind of wish that someone had come up to you and be like, Hey, are you okay? Like, Oh, that was mm-hmm. rough, you know? And vice versa, like, I'm sure some of the residents would appreciate that, too, if someone were to, like, check up on them. Not necessarily that it's our job to make them feel better, but to kind of acknowledge, whoa, that was not good. Um, Yeah. Hmm. I think we can do more on our end, too. Mm -hmm. It's not just a them thing. We are all part of the system. Mm -hmm. What can we do to improve that system? You know, I think being vocal about what's going on. There is definitely a professional way to present your concerns. Um, I think, you know, acknowledging that maybe a resident is having a bad day and kind of not internalizing Mm -hmm. what's going on to you. Now, granted, like, if you've gone through something similar to me where it was literally, like, day after day after day after day of just... um, negativity then it's then it's not just about the day that they're having it's something else and if you're getting the heat of it you should report not report it sorry i don't think that's too strong of a word but you should definitely talk to someone about it it's it's not good if you take it home and you just pack it up and you think this will eventually go away because the reality is it it won't go away you're just gonna harbor it it's just gonna grow inside of you until you become a resident and you you know, who knows what's going to happen then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I like that point. Um, don't bottle up the things that are happening to you in med school at the risk of you becoming the resident that is not the resident you want to be to those med students in the future. Yeah, I mean, like, hot take. Just for a second, think about it. Do you really think that these residents, when they were med students, are like, I really want to become the resident that yells at my med student and be mean to them? Chances are no. And then maybe maybe the tiniest percentage, yes, but I don't know. Um, you guys don't want to do that? <laughs> do you? <laughs> um, no, no. For the record. If, yeah, for the record, no. Zach wants to be a nice resident. <laughs> Um, something must have happened along the way, you know. I think there's a lot of stress. Sorry, I think there's a lot of stress that they've already endured, and there's only so much that you can control. Because mm-hmm. I don't think anyone does that when they're like, "I aim to be really mean to my medical students." Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I don't think anyone does that. Mm-hmm. So, at the beginning of this interview when you're talking about what brought you to medicine you were kind of talking about what you had seen with your family and the progress that could be made in terms of, in medicine in terms of communication and education um and how you saw a space for yourself within that in this profession right now where do you see yourself in this time frame when you're writing a letter to yourself like who is the Amy that receives this letter? Oh, okay. So the future Amy that I hope receives this letter, 
I hope she's somewhere warm because I'm not a fan of snow. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I just, I honestly don't really have the set in stone plan for her of like what my future self will be like. But all I want as of now is for the person who's receiving this letter to be okay with where they're at in their journey. And that's that's all I'm looking for because um, I just need to kind of know that all of this was worth something in the end and that I didn't sacrifice who I was for the sake of my ambition. I think that's something that I'm always scared of is that I'll lose who I am just because that's the only way to survive. And, you know, I started out medical school with a promise to myself that I won't change who I am because of the stresses in med school. I'll grow. I plan to become less naive and to kind of gain knowledge, but I most certainly do not want to become jaded, to become less of whatever makes me Amy. Let's say you were able to miraculously find that letter uh, that you wrote to yourself, your medical student self from when you were in college. What do you think that would be like reading that letter? Uh, What would your reaction be to Miss College Amy? It would be such a weird trip (laughs) because I'm in a state right now where I'm like, oh my gosh, who would ever sign up for this? This is terrible. Um, I guess when I was going through all of that. But I think, you know, if I were to read the letter now, if anything, I would feel a lot of pride, like in the good way. Yeah, I'd be, because I was just, I remembered when I wrote that letter, I was so miserable too. Um, I was just so upset and so insecure with how things were going. But when I read this letter, if I miraculously find it, I'd be so proud because somehow I got through it. You know, it felt like one of those things where it felt insurmountable. I just felt like no matter how hard I pushed through, I, it just felt like I wasn't going to make it. You know, I had so many people tell me you're not going to make the cut to medical school. Um, you don't have what it takes. Um, I, I mean like that, that's probably something that people kind of encounter throughout life. Like a lot of the people who tell you can't do things, right? I mean, I've had like similar shares of that. I had a lot of my peers tell me that I couldn't get into the undergrad that I wanted to get into. And I had a lot of people who told me afterwards that when I got in, they said, oh, you just got lucky or like, Mm -hmm. you know, some sort of excuse. And it really sucks because it kind of makes me think that I don't deserve anything that is of good value to me and I only deserve the bad things but I would be so 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 proud of my college self for pushing through and not giving up on my dreams because I wouldn't be here talking to you all now if I just gave up then Mm -hmm. I feel like that's one of the best values you can have as just about anyone really is resiliency you know pushing through stuff um an attending recently told me um he he had this like saying and it was great and he was like never take criticism from someone who doesn't also give you advice mm. Ooh, that's a really good one mm-hmm. 
weird thought that I have um, to kind of piggyback off of like if I read my letter again or whatnot. But I read this excerpt somewhere in junior high or whatever, but it's the idea that even when you're 21 or something, you still have your 11-year-old self. You still have your 16-year-old self. You still have your three-year-old self or whatever. You have all that that's within you. And like the reason why I bring this up is because, you know, even now, like as a 25-year-old, I can always pull back to the time when I was five years old, when I first moved to the United States. That, I feel like that took a lot of guts for me to sit down and eat lunch by myself you know and like not know the language I still have my 10 year old self who was so insecure and unsure of like how I if I'll ever fit into society I'll have my 15 year old self who was so doubtful of um whether or not like I'll make it to where I want to go in the future but like despite all those doubts I have like my 10 year old self, my 15 year old self, they all somehow push through. And I think that's something that we all don't realize. Like we are often looking for inspiration elsewhere from other people. But the reality is this, you have literally survived 100% of the bad times that you've endured. You will always have your 16 year old self in high school that was bullied and somehow you made it through. You'll always have your 12-year-old self who may have had to eat lunch by yourself during, you know, middle school, like during the rough times. Somehow you made it through all of that. So standing here now at 25 years old, I do find inspiration in all that I've gone through. And I hope that the listeners can do the same because you've made it this far and you've survived 100% of it. And it's, I can most certainly say it's 100%, you know, or else you wouldn't be here. And I think a 100% success, success rate is something to be proud of. Like we look to other people for those moments of inspiration of like, oh, look how they made it through it. Mm-hmm. While being blind to every single thing that we've made it through and the, how far we've come. Mm-hmm. We're so forward like minded where we're just thinking of all the next mm-hmm. things we have to do. We forget about every single thing we've already accomplished. If you could write a letter to college Amy, high school Amy, middle school Amy, sitting by herself eating lunch, you'll pretty much say everything you just said. Is there anything else you would you would tell her? What I would tell twelve year old me um, when she's eating lunch by herself is that it eventually gets better. But you'll have down times too because that's how life works. You can't just have all the ups or else it's not, or else you're not living. You know, there's no flavor to life with at that point. It does get better. Um, always keep drawing because it's such a good hobby. Like you'll, you'll need it in med school and you most definitely use it a lot of times to vent in med school. So always keep doing that. Um Mom and dad tend to nag a lot, but it's from a good place because you should really fold your clothes after your laundry is done. <laughs> um, doing your dishes is important because fruit flies are a serious problem and you won't find that out until you enter college <laughs> and it's not a good look with your roommates. 
Um, lastly, you will have to say goodbye to some people in your life as you kind of progress. So be sure that you tell them how much you appreciate them or like tell everyone how much you appreciate them because you have no idea when it's going to be kind of the last time you get to say goodbye to them. I'm crying. I'm, I'm, I'm coming back at me. <clears throat> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was all building. This <laughs> 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 really monologue was just one yeah. big emotional manipulation to get Cooper oh, and I cry. Wow. No, I'm First person to get oh, both of us crying in the studio. But, <laughs> no, like, in all seriousness, I... Yes, I've oh, had to good. say goodbye that's to good. many people. And that's, and that's so, it's so, and the reason why I kind of asked that question is I knew the things you'd say there are so much different than the things you tell your future self, you know? Mm-hmm. You're telling your future self, life sucks, I hope it gets better, I hope you are doing all right and you have everything figured out, because I for sure don't, and older self is telling younger self, yeah, moisturize, you know, do, don't forget the basics. Um, but also, so important. <laughs> but also, yeah, just take pride like in what you're doing and, and, and be grateful for what you have. And it's like a total shift in perspective. And that's, it's kind of nuts to think about when you like actually say it out. It's like, Oh, what would I tell my future self? You know? And it's all kind of about ambitious things and, you know, mm-hmm. but then when you look on in the back, it, back end it's kind of like oh just like be thankful although it's hard and it won't get any easier at at times like just be grateful for all the little things along the way it's it's really interesting that you bring that up yeah oh gosh now that you've pointed out it's just like i'm so much kinder to my like what i've done but i think that's a good thing though because it shows that i'm proud of what i've done you know I, i don't think we say that loud enough um, cause we were so scared of the, you know, the humble brag culture and whatnot, but I think it's important to find value in what we've done so far. Amy, what is one thing out in the world that you're keeping up with that you think people should know about or something you've experienced recently that you think that people should know about? Okay. A while ago, I started this show called Haikyuu. It's this Japanese animation series about this boy who's um, kind of considered too short to play volleyball. And it follows his journey and his passion for the sport and how much he um, puts into it and and how like he eventually makes it onto the team. And it follows his life afterwards of like how hard he trains and the work ethics that he has. So I think it's a worthwhile show to watch because it honestly, when I was watching, it takes me back to my time when I was younger and like how fearless I was. You know, I was really, I didn't never had that. I don't think I can do it. I always just leapt, Mm -hmm. you know, like there were some insecurities like, oh, like, can I do it? But you take more chances when you're younger because you don't really think too much about like the consequences and I think that show is a really good reminder that sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith with yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's really um, encouraging to watch this player who has been told all his life that he will never be successful in the sport because of something that he supposedly, like, he can't change, right? You can't change your height. And he somehow works his way around it. So 
it's very um, empowering and motivating to watch um, him go through all emotions that may be similar to what we go through as medical students. Mm-hmm. I can always trust you for good anime suggestions. Do you know me? I've been like watching it all my life. Also, all, to all the people who watch anime out there, I keep watching. <laughs> it's not embarrassing to watch. <laughs> and for Be those proud. who say that animations for little kids, you're watching the wrong ones. Well, Amy, thank you so much again for joining us. Oh, time. Thank you, Cooper and Zach. <laughs>